hope the president's watching. Not the day. Gary Hoffman. This guy is a petulant child. That's what he is. Shannon Farron. Oh, girl, it's cold out there. Gary and Shannon. What? No. Yeah. We are going to kick your rear end out of the White House on this one. Okay, so I watch the NFL Red Zone a lot on Sundays, which is the channel that goes from game to game to game to game to game all over the place, right? It catches up with games when you've got a scoring position. Right. Um, It comes on at 10 a.m. and goes all the way until that last afternoon game is finished. So it can go like 4.45, almost 5 o'clock. And then it, it goes like they play every touchdown from every game in a big montage at the very end. And then they sign off. And the screen doesn't change. I mean, from Sunday at like 4.45 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, all the way through to the next Sunday morning, if you're looking at that channel, it's just a slide that says NFL Red Zone. Every touchdown from every game, every Sunday afternoon during the regular season. That's it. And somebody's left it on in the studio. It's been on in this (laughs) studio since... 4.45 o'clock yesterday afternoon, nobody's changed the channel on that TV. I forgot how cool Nashville is. Uh, Nashville, where there is live music all hours of every day, pouring out of restaurants and bars and businesses. And I also forgot how everyone's wasted there every moment of every day. I mean, I went out uh, Friday night and basically used Matt Money Smith's name to get into several different establishments that had lines outside the door. Did you say it really quickly? Uh, yeah, I was like, I've got Matt May Smith here. We we got to get in. And they just let us in. It was great. Uh, <laughs> I'll name drop. <laughs> then uh, the next day, Saturday, I hit the town at about 11 a.m. because I want to do my game prep. So usually I'll just go find a restaurant and watch some college football while I get ready for the game. There were tons of white girls wasted at uh, 10, 30, 11 a.m. Bachelor parties. All bachelorette parties. Or bachelorette parties. Yeah. Party. You know, they're riding those uh, those mobile bars. Yes. The bus with the top cut off. Where, and, uh, where you got to pedal. Yeah. And some, oh, of the girl, also. some of the girls are done pedaling. You know what I mean? You can tell who the exercisers are and who's just like, I'm here to drink. Anyway, and also how nice everybody is in the South. Every time I go there, whether it's Atlanta, Nashville, it, it's just a different level of hospitality. And they don't care where you're from. They don't. They don't care where you're from. That's why I I was so jealous of you uh, having been to Nashville my first time back in April when my wife and I went for a weekend. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. People are so awesome. I I did fail. I didn't go to Hattie B's Fried Chicken because the line was two hours long. But you did go to Martin's Barbecue. But I did go to Martin's Barbecue, and that was – that's sausage, man. When we went to Martin's Barbecue, we bought – a hat, and we bought a T-shirt for my son, and then we bought like fifty pounds of meat for us to eat for lunch. <laughs> but when we got home and gave the shirt to our son, hey, we got this yeah. for you from our trip to Nashville. It he took it out of the wrapper, and it smelled like barbecue. Oh my god! We held it up. Oh my god! I I, can, so I smelled so much barbecue. I can still smell it right now. Did you have the mac and cheese there? By the way, yes, of course. Holy hell! Oh, so good. Welcome home. Thank you. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about the uh, the fire weather. We're going to talk about Mitt Romney and Pierre Delecto. If you, that I, sounds like a porn name. 
for a Mormon. Right. I was going to say, it's a Mormon's version of what he thinks a porn name would be. <laughs> yes, totally. Like Bobby Mustachio, <laughs> Pierre Delecto. <laughs> uh, but in the world of, uh, I guess, in the, uh, I don't know, in the vein of Carlos Danger, Mitt Romney made up the name Pierre Delecto to go after people on Twitter. So we'll talk about that. 737 Max update. And once again, someone has written an article about people who are homeless. I'm going to use the finger quotes there because they're not technically homeless, but the, describing them as victims of a of a of a system that have marginalized them when it's actually a they're victims of, of their own bad decisions. Yes. It's one of those articles where it's like this could happen to any of us. And you know what? No. No it couldn't. Because we don't all make poor decisions like moved into Los Angeles with two duffel bags and $800 and a dream. And then expect that I'm going to be able to live in a mansion in Beverly Hills. Uh, One of the reasons I was so damn late today is because I got stuck behind fire trucks today. There are still dozens and dozens of fire trucks up around the Saddle Ridge fire that burned up in the uh, Silmar area and then moved west towards Porter Ranch. Still areas over the weekend that showed some promise, if you want to say that, for uh, reigniting. There were still some hot spots they were working on. So the fire crews that I ran into this morning all through the Newhall Pass were there just in case things flared up again. And as we've seen over the last couple of days, on again, off again wins for the most part. I don't think they materialized the way anybody expected but still, everybody's on high alert. There well, PG&E a- says that it is monitoring the extreme weather conditions forecast for later this week and says it's considering cutting electricity again across parts of 17 different counties in northern and uh, central California. Uh, Edison is working on the same thing. Edison says they have under consideration about 17,000 customers throughout L.A., Orange, San Bernardino, Santa Barbara, Ventura counties and others. Uh, but the key, I think, to to talk about is this realization, perhaps, from PG&E on Friday. The chief executive said that these preventative power outages may continue for a decade. We're going to be Calcutta for 10 years uh, because they can't get it together to spend profits and put the lines underground. And listen, one thing that Governor Newsom has been saying is, you know, we got to hold PG&E's feet to the fire on this. You're Yes, we do. But where the hell were you 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago when PG&E was just sucking in the profits and doing so little to upgrade its infrastructure? To prepare for things like this. That, that's the part I don't understand. That you can act like you're outraged about it when, in fact, you're the one who took the pants away from the naked guy. All right. And then said, you got to put pants on. <laughs> that's a great analogy. It was just a quick. I should have worked that. Little, no, I, I think it was perfect. It, it sounded better in rehearsal. Speaking of pants, Hillary Clinton is back in the news. Uh, her and Tulsi Gabbard have kind of locked horns. There is a weird political thing happening within the Democratic Party that I think is totally healthy, but awkward to watch. It's like the birth of a wild animal. Are you going to do these all day long? I could. All right, let's do it. It's Bad Analogy Monday here on Gary and Shannon. And remember, you got to answer the phone. If you are a winner, they'll be calling probably from a 513 area code. Hot tip. If you don't pick up, they will move on, and you lose that $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour, about 20 after the hour, you have a chance to win 
$5 once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 6.20 right here on KFI. Why do I find politicians' sex lives so interesting? Like, if it was just an ordinary woman, you know... Thruple. Thruple. Yes. I wouldn't find it as fascinating. I know, but it's a weird... But that Katie Hill romance hole... And listen, uh, so Katie Hill is a congresswoman from up Santa Clarita Valley and in parts of Palmdale and Lancaster up and and I think out to Simi Valley is where um, she's been very quiet on social media since uh, Friday when the story came out that she and her husband were in a thruple, kind of a three way relationship with another staff, a staff member of hers who was a younger woman, 22, 23 years old. If this was a male politician, everyone would be talking about it. Also, if it was a conservative politician, yes. people would be talking about it. Right. So it shows up on a couple of blogs. There are pictures of her, Katie Hill, appearing to be her. I mean, I I know that pictures can be doctored, but it's her naked brushing the hair of this woman. I'm going to say that again. She, Katie Hill is naked, brushing the hair of this She's woman. She's sitting in a chair, naked. Naked. And the girl is uh, between her legs. Let me just ask this question as well. When is the last time you saw a naked picture of a member of Congress? Right. That's a great <laughs> point. Yet nobody's talking about it. I mean, I get that, you know, people's private lives should stay private. But when you're a public person and you have a thruple, people are going to talk. Yeah, and I, you know, part of me is conflicted. I don't know if conflicted is the right word. Part of me is conflicted because I think that's their business. Like, if her husband was consenting that there's another person in this relationship and and she has sort of the lack of hidden secret that she's bisexual, that's their business. Let them do their thing. Wait a minute. Then she breaks off the relationship so that and then has allegedly has an affair with her campaign finance director and then says, you know what, I'm going to call that off just because it's too confusing. I just want to concentrate on serving the people of the great state of California, and I'm going to get back to Congress, and that's the only thing I'm going to do. There's a whole series of text messages and photos that supposedly came from these mm. relationships. But anyway, that's uh, that's Katie Hill. I want to read one thing. At the top of the hour, we're going to talk about the story that showed up in the L.A. Times this weekend. They came to L.A. to chase a Hollywood dream. Two weeks later... They were homeless. And it's one of those stories where they're trying to say it could happen to anybody. Uh, Tracy wrote to us on Facebook, about 90% of homeless have mental illness. So by saying it's from making bad decisions is a typical right-wing spin. That's not what I was saying, Tracy, with all due respect. I know that there's a great deal of mental illness and drug addiction that is fueling the homelessness problem. The L.A. Times doesn't. I'm looking at the couple they're offering up, and I see bad decisions. I don't see mental illness there. I'm talking about this couple and their bad decisions directly leading to their homelessness. Now, and the thing is, in that article, they also point to some of the main problems with homelessness, but the L.A. Times ignores it. I mean, they talk about housing prices and stuff. If you're going to ignore the mental illness and the drug addiction because it's not comfortable to talk about, we're going to have homelessness expand and last forever. Tulsi Gabbard got called out. By Hillary Clinton last week, uh, the secretary, former secretary of state, a couple of times she was a presidential candidate, said on a podcast that Tulsi Gabbard was a favorite of the Russians. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her so far. I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic primary and they're grooming her to be a third party candidate. 
That's quite a conspiracy theory. That's an incredible conspiracy theory. And what the hell does Hillary Clinton have to... Why would she even get into this? Except, let's go back to 2016. Tulsi Gabbard, young up-and-comer in the Democratic Party, military service, moderate. Some of her views are relatively moderate. She's attractive. That plays a lot in politics today, whether it's good or bad. She was promoted to become the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee in 2016. You know what she did? She saw all of that crappy hijinks that were going on behind the scenes to push Hillary Clinton to the nomination. And she, Tulsi Gabbard, knew Bernie Sanders was getting the shaft. So she quit the DNC, her position at least. She quit the DNC and endorsed Bernie Sanders. Which was the right thing to do. I mean, we saw so we saw people in tears in Philadelphia when they found out when the news broke that the DNC was aligning all things to bury Bernie and to hoist Hillary to the top of the ticket. And, you know, it, that affects people. Yeah. You know, when it's They're, not their vote that counts, it's what the DNC is able to do. Right. When we come back, we'll play for you Tulsi Gabbard's response to this. Uh, and we'll also get into the whole uh, Pete Buttigieg story. Buttigieg! He is uh, this guy. Careful now. Some bunch of people are kind of gay for May- Mayor Pete. Also. I mean Mitt, that in a good way. It's- Mitt Romney and his secret Twitter account <laughs> goes by Pierre Delecto. Hmm. Ooh la la. Mm. <laughs> no. No, thank you. No one has ever said that about Mitt Romney. <laughs> Gary Channel will continue in a moment. <laughs> Gary Channel. It is uh, Monday, October 21st, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Oh, I forgot to tell you, my daughter made the playoffs. They're gonna oh, that's great. Volleyball playoffs coming up, I think Thursday is their first match. Which just means, I think I did this last, that the CIF Southern section has a whole list of sponsorships that you have to read when you're doing the public address for the game. Yeah. And they're the goofiest, the lamest sponsorships ever. What do you mean? Like what? It's like... uh, Bob's Boot Barn? uh, Bob's Boot Barn is the official boot barn of the Southern section for California Interscholastic Federation. That's great. All your boots at Boot Barn. Um... We have been following the story, and we'll talk more about it later. The state attorneys general are pushing to finalize a settlement of the toll of opioids. Um, there were talks through last week on a deal worth about $48 billion, but today we found out that four companies reached a smaller uh, deal to end some of the claims with a couple of Ohio counties, just as we were supposed to go to trial on this. So, um, and then I don't. I tried to read some of that Brexit stuff from the weekend. Why do you do that to yourself? All, all I know is that Boris Johnson was sending letters to the European Union without signing them, mm-hmm. which means he didn't really mean it or something. Each I, new piece of breakfast, uh, bre- Brexit, Brexit breakfast. information is another piece of stale cracker to me like tell me wake me up when it's all over um we're talking about tulsi gabbard and her fight with hillary clinton uh she went and hit back to hillary of backing a campaign to destroy her reputation hillary clinton of course saying that she was an asset of the russians a favorite of the russians tulsi was so the two get into it pete Buttigieg is with chuck todd on meet the press and basically says well i don't want to get in between the girls (laughs) <laughs> right, which I thought was quite funny, considering he had a great week. He did. Um, we'll talk more about it in Swamp Watch in terms of his polling in Iowa, but he's 
he's top three right now in Iowa. And that is a massive, massive move uh, and shakeup. I don't know where Bernie Sanders went, except uh, his voters stayed in the hospital. All right. Tulsi Gabbard went slapped right back at Hillary Clinton after this made news late Thursday into Friday. And on Twitter said, you, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. It's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide uh, hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. Now, a couple of things. First of all, it's not clearly between Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton. This is like the Seattle Mariners saying that their number one rival is the New York Yankees. Right. You're, you're, you're batting out of your league here. Well, she wanted to take advantage of the attention that totally. Hillary Clinton gave her. And she should. The other thing is that she uh, took to Twitter and posted a video as well uh, where she talked about, Blake, give me this computer here. Uh, one thing. There she goes. People warned me in 2016 that my endorsement of Bernie Sanders would be the end of my quote-unquote political career. They said Clinton will never forget that she and her rich and powerful friends, her allies in politics and in the media will make sure that you are destroyed. Well, there have been countless hit pieces full of smears against me from day one of this campaign. They've tried to destroy my reputation and my lifetime of service because I stood up to them. Now, there's a couple of things that go on. She goes on and, and very eloquently just pushes back and says, I don't have to represent what you think the Democratic Party should be. I don't have I don't have to fall by whatever party lines because that's what's destroying the Democratic Party. That I mean, this this back and forth between Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton is a conversation worth having for the Democrats as they search it? for their identity. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Are thing. we going to do things the old way that that saw Hillary Clinton get the nomination over Bernie Sanders, who was the popular fa- Or are we going to listen to the people who are voting for for the, this group of people? Now, there's one thing I there's one thing to be said. I don't think Bernie Sanders would have beat Donald Trump. I, I mean, there's no way to there's no way to gauge that, guess that. I just had a gut feeling. I don't think he would have beat Donald Trump. Um, but. In it's a disservice of, to the people who voted for him or right. were going to vote for him. It's it's just it adds truth to the uh, to these ongoing theories that the parties, whether it's the Democratic Party or Republican Party, are run by elites within that party and not by the people who say that they belong to that party. So if somebody like Tulsi Gabbard or as we've seen this week, Mayor Poot, uh, sorry, Poot, Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> That these people can reach out and go, listen, we're not crazy. We're not Bernie Sanders. We're not selling out the country. We're not Elizabeth Warren. We're not coming up with these plans that we can't pay for. Yes, they have progressive ideals, but maybe there's something to be said about reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, listen, I've got military service. I trust uh, the VA to take care of me. I know that the government can do things well, although they're going to have a hard time pointing them out. Why don't we just work together? Pete Buttigieg was on Fox uh, yesterday, Fox News Sunday or whatever they call that with Chris Wallace. First of all, kudos for going on to a show like that. And second, he didn't sound crazy. He didn't sound like he was nutso and wanted to, you know, foreclose on the rest of the future of this country just to pay for free stuff for everybody. 
And that type of an attitude is not going to be appreciated within the Democratic Party until after the primaries are over. That's exactly right. So maybe there is something to be said about a, a third-party candidate, whether it's Tulsi Gabbard or Pete Buttigieg. I think or the that's two where we're together. headed. Honestly, I think that's where we're headed because we talked last week about how polarized the country is and what is it going to bring it back together. And we were talking about the possibility of some sort of disaster, like when we saw 9-11, everyone kind of forgot their political bents uh, to such a degree and, and kind of found commonalities. I think we're headed for a third party, somebody in the middle, somebody rational. If the left is going to focus on uh, LGBTXYZ and uh, bathrooms and him, hers, my, our, whatever the hell it is, that doesn't affect most of the people in this country. You're going to have to focus on that. And the unicorn ideas that the Democrats have when you're looking at Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all and taking away people's right to choose their insurance, that's not going to go over with the majority of people either. It's very nice and it's very paternalistic to say, oh, this is the government. We should be taking care of you. But people don't want that. People want to choose their own S. And why is it that we can't just do our own homework when it comes to these? Because the Uh, because the Elizabeth Warrens of the world believe that you're not smart enough. That you that they know right. better than you about your best interest. Well, and and the in and that's general, what pisses me off about a lot of politicians. The Democratic Party thinks that. I mean, the party, the parties, the way they're set up, they think they know better than you do about who should be the candidate. That was established in 2016. Right. They believe they know who's best for you, as opposed to listen. We've complained about the number of candidates that are running for the Democratic nomination. Get in there and see what it is that they're about. Absolutely. I mean, I mean we've he, always been a proponents of do your own homework. Right. Don't listen to us or anybody else. Find out who these people are, what they believe in. Is that in line with what you believe in? And just because there's an initial after their name, whichever initial that right. might be, don't throw the baby out with the initial. There you go again. That was a good one. Because, I mean, there's just – there's so much more to learn about these people. It's like birthing a wild animal. I already used that one. Oh, okay. I mean, Uh, we can use it again. Can we talk about – Because believe me, wild animal births can be used in a lot of instances. It's like a wildebeest coming out of a womb. Don't they hatch? I thought they hatched. I'm not sure. I'll Google it in the break. Can we talk about Mitt Romney's porn name when we come back? It's not a – It kind of is. If Twitter is uh, <laughs> is porn to Mormons, then yes, I suppose. All right. Gary and Channel will continue in a moment. I mean, between this weekend, with all the fried pickles and barbecue and all of that that I ate, and next weekend in Chicago... Brats and it's going to be a real, real weight game. Hey, fatty. I did not say that. <laughs> you actually said this morning, uh, I saw your ass on TV. That's not what I said. I mean, it was, but I didn't. That's not what <laughs> I saw. Your shoes is what I said. <laughs> and then you said to me. I'm going to go, go get a flu shot. And yeah. I said, I'm just going to get the flu. And you said, is that your weight loss plan? Now, again, that wasn't because you needed it. It was just we've joked about different cleanse options around. <laughs> and that may be one of them. That may be one of them. 
top of the hour, we'll tell you the latest uh, love story to homeless people uh, that uh, the L.A. Times has come out with. We've talked about this before. It was the New York Times, actually, who before did the story about the longtime sommelier oh, to right, some of right. the Northern California's highfalutin celebrities. How could he go from serving Joe Montana and Napa to the streets? Well, crack. Oh, there's that. Crack is what happened. Um, he picked up a crack habit, and that's what lands you on the streets nine times out of ten. Not living in an unrent-controlled apartment. Right. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about this uh, because it's a—it's just such a – it's a deflection from what the real problem with homelessness is. I, it, this long, well, we'll get into it. Yes. All right. Uh, Mitt Romney confirmed late yesterday that he is behind an anonymous Twitter account under the pseudonym Pierre Delecto. That he's a lurker on social media through this Pierre Delecto account. (laughs) He responded to a conservative blogger who writes for the Washington Post back in May, who wrote that his strategy was non-confrontation verging on spinelessness. And Pierre writes back, Jennifer, you need to take a breath. Maybe you can then acknowledge the people who agree with you in large measure, even if not in every measure. Uh, Romney, as Pierre Delecto, apparently liked a number of tweets that were critical of President Trump, including one that supported the use of the 25th Amendment in response to the president's recent decisions on Syria and Turkey. He liked some of the criticism of former Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, uh, Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. The account was made private late last night, and soon after that, Romney came forward and told a reporter for The Atlantic that he was, in fact, Pierre Delecto. In fact, he said, c'est moi. What an a-hole. Wait a minute. The account was first revealed by Ashley Feinberg, who works for The Slate. Ashley was also responsible in 2017 for revealing that FBI Director James Comey had an anonymous account on Twitter, or at least social media was going through this thing. Romney was asked about one Trump tweet in particular where the president attached the hashtag impeach Mitt Romney, to which Mitt Romney said, well, that's kind of what he does, and explained he uses a secret Twitter account to follow politics. What do they call me, he says, a lurker, but didn't name the account at that point. Is there anything creepier than I'm a lurker? What? Hello, pot. I'm kettle. Don't you do this? Lurk? Yes. Yeah, but I don't call myself a lurker. Well, and I will say that. Be a normal human being and just do it. You, I was going to say, you don't it. make up a no. I don't. You don't make up, up a fake account no. to follow anybody or anything. No, but yeah, I'm uh, like uh, like Facebook. The last time I posted on Facebook was like six years ago, uh, but I still, still check, check it out, it. right? Yes. Um, so if people think you're dead. Here's the speculation. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to her? Bad life choices. Uh, here's the speculation that it's a pun based on the phrase impari delecto. Impari is replaced by Pierre because Romney did his mission in France, and he speaks French, and delecto, which is an offense, is replaced with delecto, which is a delight. I... (laughs) Which is super uh, weedy and dorky, and that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense for Mitt Romney to have chosen that name. Now, how did they find this out? So... Like I said, Mitt Romney uh, admitted that he uses this fake account, this secret account, to follow politics. Well, that stuck 
with Ashley Feinberg. And Ashley Feinberg goes through the Twitter accounts of some of Mitt Romney's relatives to try to find some clues about this. And she found that the eldest grandchild of Mitt Romney, Allie Romney Critchlow, had only 481 followers. So that's an easy list to go through or the easiest list to go through. And it was through her account that she found a user, a person under the handle at cause 9876, Q-A-W-S 9876. And that account was public and it was follow and it followed about the same number of accounts that Mitt Romney had mentioned in the Atlantic. That 700 number was what he said. And it followed all of the Romney family. It followed a number of the Romney-related 2012 campaign accounts and political reporters from the beat that covered Romney in 2012. Among others, it seemed right for Romney to have an interest in the following. And then, like you said, had that username, Pierre Delecto. How tedious. Kudos, yes, but kudos to Ashley Feinberg Absolutely. for finding this. It's just why I wasn't a great reporter. I mean, that takes a you... <laughs> lot of patience to go through all of that. That being said... That being said, I'm an investigative reporter. You are say. very quick to find out information about anybody, friends, girlfriends, <laughs> boyfriends, that what, your, sort of your thing. Your kids' homecoming dates. Yes. I've got it all locked down. You don't this have is... it all, by the way. I've found out some more information that I have to share with you. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so wait. This is a nine-page article the L.A. Times did. Oh, my gosh. And all of it is – all of it's a love story where they choose to ignore the warts in the whole thing. Not that people who have warts can't be lovely. Good Lord. Here's, here's, this, here's the opening line. So many people come to L.A. carrying little else but big dreams. Oh, my God. Right there is a bad idea. Dream, dream in one hand, all right? But don't bring a full bag See of it. where this is going to get you. Uh, they came to L.A. to chase the Hollywood dream. Two weeks later, they were homeless. Because they didn't bring any money. Yes, there's that. Okay. We'll do that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Good Lord. Ain't it funny how life AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And it looks like we've been talking about wind, fire danger all morning. And looks like we do have a brush fire. This is in the 500 block of North Palisades Drive there in the Palisades. They say some homes may be threatened according to the fire department there. It's a fire that's burning uphill. And I am looking at uh, some satellite photos, and there are several homes in the area that are kind of interspersed with that, uh, you know, we call it the wildland fire. Wildland urban interface. Urban interface, yeah. Yeah. Um, The good news, no wind, it appears, right through that area, which is uh, giving them, uh, firefighters, and specifically their helicopters, an opportunity to get right up close to uh, to the mountains there and try to get a handle on this. But again, it's uh, just about an acre. Uh, Five hundred North Palisades Drive is the is the address that they've been given, and you can see uh, this plume of smoke go straight up in the air, which is an indicator that there is no wind in there. So the L.A. Times has been trying to uh, expose us all to the plight of homelessness in Los Angeles, and they keep picking the wrong people. 
they keep picking the wrong mountain to die on. This story is case in point. It's a long-winded nine-page story out of the L.A. Times about a 24-year-old girl and her 20-year-old boyfriend who decided to move to L.A. with just a dream, $800, and two backpacks and duffel bags. And I'm curious to know what the what was the expected reaction to this article? Well, I don't quite it, it says here pretty early on in the story. I asked them if I could tell their story in part to remind us all how swiftly disaster can strike. Now, let me ask you this. Would you move to a city like Los Angeles with eight hundred dollars and two duffel bags? Um, a city where. You know it's gonna it, the cost of living is not that. Or would you plan for that move? Would you stay where you're at and maybe earn a little bit of money, get some savings together, maybe uh, figure out if there's an apartment that you can rent with said savings first and last? You mean for more than a week? For more than a week before you made that move? I'm. I just. The issue of homelessness gets colluded convoluted when we do stories like this because even in this story these two people Bree and Locke admit that the people that they talk to on the streets are not well that they're uh, dealing with mental illness or this is the quote the only people that you talk to are people who have mental illness the only people you talk to are people on drugs that's not Somebody saying the only people you talk to are those who are one paycheck away from living in their car. Right. This is people. These are people who have been out there on the street. They're the ones who are telling you this is a mental illness, drug addiction caused problem. Why are we ignoring that? Why are we trying to make it sound like the homelessness problem is due to the high cost of rent in Los Angeles? Why are we doing that? If you're ignoring the problem, you're not going to fix it. Is it because of feelings? Is it because it's yes. not nice to talk about mental illness and it's not nice no, to no. talk about addictions? No, no, no. You can't even call it addiction anymore. Like, like you have to call it uh, like the small yay who just, uh, you know, got involved, got crack involved one day. He fell down and a crack pipe, boom, right there in his mouth. Right. Somehow it's like it's fire it's like and a then smoke. That happened to him. Right. This you know, is, like this happened to this young couple. This disaster happened to this young homelessness happened to this young couple. No, that's not what happened. There was no plan in place that was viable for long term living when you're only going to move to a new city with eight hundred dollars and no jobs. And the frustrating part about it is that you if you say to these two people, you're 20, 24 years old, even if you make that mistake of coming out here and thinking that you're going to hit it big and realizing you can't do it. You have to take responsibility for what it is that you've done. You've done that. You made those decisions. You put yourself in this position. If if you can't call somebody out for their bad decisions like that, then you completely eradicate the ability to care for the people who are out there without help. You know, the, the right. people who legitimately are on the streets because they cannot take care of themselves. So this L.A. Times article describes this couple, this 20-year-old guy and 24-year-old girlfriend. They've been seeing each other for, oh, about a month. They arrived last spring in possession of a promise, $800, two backpacks, and two duffel bags. Before they left LAX, apparently the record producer who had heard Locke and his rapping 
said, you could stay with me. But when they got to LAX, they made the phone call. Hey, where do we go? And the producer said to them, sorry, I'm out of town for a long time. You can't stay at my place. That's a red flag right there. But they decided instead of getting back on a plane or going to the bus station and taking the long way back to Detroit, that they were going to try to stick it out. Suddenly, they only had each other. Oh, no. They were novice travelers. They'd been together just one month in a giant city. They had no one else whose support they knew they could count on. Can we? (laughs) That's Jane Goodall saying her name in chimp. That's going to be our sign that there was a bad decision that was made. Okay. okay? So when Jane, <laughs> How did you land on that? When, I don't know. Okay. When Jane Goodall makes this sound, <laughs> that's a description. She sounds very happy there. Yeah. That's, that's a moment we need to look at this, this story. Already there have been four or five things that you could point to and say, that was either an indication that you've made the wrong decision or an opportunity for you to go back. Okay, so let's reset. Okay. Couples in Detroit, they, right. they've got a dream. Yes. They come to L.A. with just $800 and two backpacks. That's a, that's a, that's a mistake on their part. They, they, uh, they figure out that the guy who told them to come out here, the audio engineer... He's not going to let them stay with him. So they decide instead of going back to Detroit where they've got a safety net, they're going to try and just tough it out here. Now, I'm only going to give you one, Jane Goodall, on that one because that was something that they felt like they had been promised and that rug got pulled out from under them. Yeah, but then they should go back. Right. That's why they only get half. That was something out of their control, but it was an opportunity for them to make a decision and they made the wrong one. Listen to this. They said they splurged on a cheap room at the Las Palmas Hotel in Hollywood. (laughs) This is the Pretty Woman Hotel. Right. This is a couple that knew that was the Pretty Woman Hotel. That's why they chose it. Like that. Right. You. If that's your decision. They thought that that, they thought that they were going to be Julia Roberts. That Richard Gere is going to pull it. Well, this is where her dream came true. This is where our dream's going to come true. Again, a bad decision. Your life is not a movie. You know, people come out to L.A., they think they're just going to become famous. They're just going to become discovered. That's not how it works. I'm going to You re- can't go check into the Pretty Woman Hotel and expect Richard Gere to climb that freaking chair uh, or uh, fire, fire escape with flowers. That's there's not a, real life. There's a line in this story in the L.A. Times that describes these two people. That is the most laughably, that was a most laughable attempt to tug at your heartstrings. I'm going to read it to you and explain, when we come back, I'll explain what this moment was. But, quote, this was the moment when they slipped into homelessness and slipped out of the world as they'd known it. Oh, for the love of God, who wrote this thing? What a pile. Gary and Shannon will continue. Plus... Your chance at $1,000 to avoid homelessness when we come back. <laughs> Darkness right in front of me, oh, it's calling out and I won't walk away. I would always open up the door. Don't forget, if you win, they'll call you on the phone to let you know that you won. But you have to pick up the phone to pick up $1,000. You got another chance an hour from now. And then a chance every hour, Monday through Friday, from 5 in the morning all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show to win $1,000 an hour right here on KFI. This fire is crazy. It's between Palisades Drive and Charmel in some wild land. 
and it is burning up a ridge right next to some beautiful Pacific Palisades homes. And the shots are incredible yeah. because people have hoses that they are spraying over this ridge. Which is probably quite the drop off there from the from the edge of the backyards down into this um, this ravine, this this uh, canyon area. Uh, but it appears like these people have their garden hoses right up against this, this beast flames. of a fire. The helicopters are just to sort of the southeast area, so they're looking over the shoulders of these people that have gathered in the backyards that are looking at these flames. And I know that when they zoom in, it f- kind of forces the perspective a little bit here, but it looks like those people are feet away from flames that are jumping probably 40 or 50 feet in the air. Again, this is Pacific Palisades, and uh, the fire, we first got word of it just a couple of minutes ago that said that it was... Uh, on 500 North Palisades Drive is where it started, and it quickly expanded from one acre. It looks like it's several acres right now. And again, burning just over the ridge of places like Vista Grande Drive, Charmel Lane. There's a bunch of homes along there as well. And this thing has room to run. I mean, there is a lot of fuel there uh, in that canyon. There's a construction site right there. Can you see that? That yeah. home that's under construction. So I think a lot of those guys out there with the hoses are construction guys, too. And you could see... Oh, you could see people running from their homes with, yeah. with, with bags of stuff as this thing just took hold Look of a tree right next to uh, three or four homes. This tree is on the same property. Now you're seeing people on both sides of the street running out of their homes. They've got bags. They're getting into their cars, running to abandon this, abandon the effort to attack this thing with, with the hoses they have on their property. There are firefighters there doing structure protection but now that this thing's got a hold of those trees oh man it is it is a wild one and it looks it looks like there's not a lot of wind right now no there's a little bit a lot of fuel there's a little bit it looks like it's actually blowing offshore which which would push it away from these homes but we've seen this before those homes at the top of the ridge and the fire is much more likely to go up the ridge uh, and fight against the wind because that's where the fuel is uh, is up higher along the the uh, higher along the ridge there. Again, this is Vista Grande Drive, which is right where this fire has come up behind these homes. You know that movie where everyone leaves their house at the same time, pulls out of the driveway at the same time, and funnels out down the street <laughs> to show like everyone leaves it for work at the same time. That's what it looks like on this street. Everyone was just backing out pretty much at the same time and getting the hell out of Dodge. Now, the one positive thing it looks like is that there's not a lot of wind. For the most part, this smoke is going straight up. That is fantastic news, although people who are evacuating their houses probably wouldn't consider it fantastic news at all right now. They're attacking this thing from the air, too, as well, because this is terrain that you just can't get to. So what they're forced to do is set up structure protection in these neighborhoods along these hillsides and then just try and air power this thing into uh, submission. Pacific Palisades, where it started not too long ago, at about uh, 1039, they said, was the first call from uh, L.A. City Fire first posted it. These are uh, these are going to be ridiculously expensive homes here that uh, once, uh, you know, as of this morning, they probably had fantastic views of the ocean, but along Vista Grande Drive, Charmel Lane, as it makes its way up along, um, sort of up and above, Pacific Palisades or Palisades Drive, which is kind of in the bottom of this canyon. This fire is moving up the canyon walls towards these homes. Several active flames, several different spots 
uh, of active flame as well, which makes it more difficult as these as these flames creep closer to uh, to the homes there in the Palisades. And right now there's just so much smoke that the overhead, uh, the helicopters that are covering this thing for the news channels, they can't really see if the flames have been able to take hold uh, of any of those homes or if they've been successful in, in beating back the flames because it's just too thick. But you can see the the fire companies staged right there in, in the neighborhoods. They they're still there as people continue to leave. There was one area where there were a number of people out on a back deck and they were hosing it down and hosing, you know, throwing the water beyond the deck. And it looks like it. Well, they've run away now yeah. because oh, yeah. the yeah. flames got too close and it looks like that deck may have caught. If not, it's really close to going up. Yeah, the, that was the construction crew we were talking about. The, it looked like it was a construction crew from a house across the, the way there that jumped on that to help out and then just realized that had to get the hell out of there. Cause I'm seeing black smoke now. And to me, that means that a house has caught fire. Yeah. It's still chewing through something there. Yeah. That's for it's sure. burning right next to a pool. So this is LA city's uh, original property. You could see the street on that side over there where all that traffic people are leaving the neighborhood already. Yeah. So this is LA city, uh, city fires jurisdiction, but LA County is now bringing in bulldozers in some of the areas uh, trying to get them to, uh, out in front of this fire to potentially cut some fire line, but I just don't see where they're going to be able to do that. No. This is running up a pretty steep canyon wall uh, that at, with these houses at the top of that, oh, sort man. of on the top of that ridge. So at this point, there's another tree. It looks like it's caught fire pretty good behind a house. And I haven't seen, you know, their, their flames clearly Look right in the close. backyard. Look at how close that firefighter is right there. Doing structure protection. Uh, these guys are just incredible. Repeatedly putting their life on the line to protect property. Uh, those That fire that caught in that tree looks like it's just about to get into a uh, a wooden deck that yeah. was off of the uh, second floor there. When you it's, see that black smoke, you know it's it's not burning the, oh, uh, the brush anymore. That is super thick black smoke right yeah, there. That's in, that's in, looks like it got into the attic. And they just did a huge water drop. With precision, that, that was so precise. <laughs> that was the big that was one too. Targeted. That was right on that home. Unfortunately, I think uh, I think that well, well, it went from we'll black see. smoke to white it smoke sure quickly. Did. It sure did. All right, we'll keep an eye on this and see if there's anything that comes out of this. Again, this is Pacific Palisades. It's right along an area of Via Grande Drive and Charmel Lane, up above Palisades Drive on the top of that ridge. As this fire goes up the ridge, it's uh, threatening some homes, although it's hard to get a, a good look and see if any of them have been – clearly some of them have been, been damaged, yeah. but we haven't seen anything uh, extensive at this point. Yeah, we'll stay on top of this, uh, take a break for Amy's News, and we'll be back to Gary and Shannon. AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. L.A. City and L.A. County Fire, you're not going to get better. You're just not. There's just no way. Uh, it has really 
the the active flames that we saw even five minutes ago are gone for the most part in this fire that's burning near some homes in Pacific Palisades. They have done a yeoman's job. Those flames were right up against what you, what were you saying between uh, four and eight million dollar homes. Not that it matters. Your home's your home, whether it's a uh, two hundred grand or eight million, but still. Um, Right up against those just palatial estates. Yeah, this fire started somewhere along Palisades Drive, they said, and went up. And Palisades Drive is in the middle of a canyon. Went up one side of this canyon, up towards Vista Grande Drive and Charmel Lane, up on the top of the ridge there. And without a whole lot of wind in the area was just a what they call terrain-driven. So as it goes up that hill, it just gathers speed and blows through that that brush. Caught some of the trees that were on fire, some of the landscaping that's around these homes. And for the most part, no homes have been lost, although it's going to be clear in uh, the next few minutes or so if any of them were damaged. But like you said, I mean, these fire uh, units that show up and then just blow into someone's backyard to protect the protect the house from this fire that's rolling up the hill with no uh, no discernible way to stop it. They come in and... They stop it. That was incredible. About 30 plus acres is what they're saying right now. So we'll keep an eye on this. Oh, wait, wait. Super scoopers have been requested. Oh, yeah. Well, because it looks like there's still a lot of active flames in, in uh, in the canyon area. But what we're talking about specifically were... The flames that were right up against two or three homes there along uh, Charm- Charmel Lane. Mm. I mean, there's still a lot of fire to fight, but it looks like for right now, they've been able to save uh, save those homes. Yeah, it's going in terms of the just even the column of smoke itself. It's visible, by the way, just about everywhere, especially on PCH. Some of the people on Twitter have already been posting these videos of this uh, the smoke plume. As they say in France, the smoke plume. <laughs> you Mitt Romney? <laughs> call you Pierre. Pierre. Mm. All, right. All right. So let's get back to our homelessness story. Uh, this is a couple, very young, early 20s, who were in Detroit. They decided they want to move out to L.A. because they've got a dream. They splurge on the Julia Roberts Hotel because that's where dreams come true. Ugh. Soon they find out that they don't have enough money because they didn't come out here with enough money. They came out here with $800 between the two of them. No jobs lined up. No apartment lined up. Just $800 and a couple duffel bags. So they are at the Julia Roberts Hotel, the Pretty Woman Hotel, and then they realize that they're out of money. She says she started jumping on Reddit to ask the people of Reddit, I just became homeless. Where do homeless people go in L.A.? She's asking Reddit for help. Where's our bad decision sound? Oh, sorry. If you have to turn to Reddit for life advice. You're doing it wrong. You're doing a bad decision. Well, they do find some compatriots in life, if you want to call them that, on Venice Beach. They bum a smoke from a guy with a dog, homeless guy, and he offers tips. Wear fresh socks. You avoid infection. Go to St. Joseph Center for help. Uh, here, let me help you find a tarp and pieces of cardboard for your bedding. They um, ended up shacking up with this guy, or I don't know. In his homeless tent. Homeless people call it tenting up, I suppose. But he's sleeping. They are. These two are sleeping with this guy and his dog in his tent in Venice in front of the public storage at 4th and Rose. This next line really gets me. Applying for jobs was hard. 
You mean to tell me you can't go into uh, a, a subway or uh, there are jobs out there. There are jobs out there. You just have to do them. And there's there's so, there's this new thing going on with this age group too. the ages of these kids. We're like, if it's not the perfect job, they're not taking it. Like it's kids coming out of college and they want perfection right away. They want the perfect job right away. They don't realize you've got to like work up to get to the perfect job for you. Right. They want to do some of the baloney with a housing allowance and fully covered insurance. Right. Um, They eventually got some money from general relief to tide them over until they found work. They bought uh, their own tent. They set it up right next to their newfound friend in Venice. They also found the nonprofit Safe Place for Youth, SPY, SPY, where they could get guidance and take a shower, get some fresh clothes and be fed. All of that should have right there. That Those are good decisions being made in that they realize I need food, I need shelter, I need that sort of a thing. But when you get that, that's when you say, and I never want to have to come back here. Right. When you're taking free clothes and food and shelter from someone, that should that should – Flip a switch in your mind where you go, this should be my bottom. I should never want to be here again. They said they rode around the metro. Uh, obviously, they didn't pay. <gasps> Don't do that. Don't get on a bus when you're homeless and think that that's going to take you somewhere that takes you out of this this condition that you find yourself they in. They spent uh, all day begging for money on the trains and the buses uh, instead of, I don't know. Looking that, for said job. Right. Um, we didn't mention this, but one of the decisions that that took that happened, I guess, to this couple, at least to one of them, Locke, his name was Deshaun. He changed it to Locke, L-O-X-K, because that's why. Uh, there's no question asked of him. He'd been scraping by for a couple of years in Detroit on his own since his mother kicked him out at the age of 18. Time out, Mr. Locke. Uh, why did your mom kick you out when you're 18? If you clearly had no job, no means of supporting yourself, no ability to support yourself, why? Were there drugs involved with your earlier life? Was your mom a drug involved, drug adjacent perhaps? Maybe that was an issue. How how do you get kicked out of your life? How do you get kicked out of your house when you're 18 years old? And that all it, all that mentions is mom kicked him out. How does the reporter not say, why did mom kick you out? The girl eventually found a job at uh, at a coffee shop. She was a barista. And she said that once a supervisor suggested that she needed to clean better under her fingernails. Is that like a form of bullying or something? Because if somebody's so, yeah. serving you food, yeah. don't you think they can? Is there not a sink and soap at the coffee shop? Like she like that is that they're trying to frame that as like she was being bullied or she was being, you know, like this was something happening to her. It's like just clean your fingernails. Well, right. Like it's it's not hard to find public bathrooms to keep yourself clean. They also at one point were renting a dirty room. fingernails didn't happen to you. You can wash yourself out of that situation. Said you and with yes, a lot of water and soap at your disposal. And yes, if somebody, if you're serving food, it's completely appropriate for a supervisor to tell you, clean your hands. They were she, so she was commuting back and forth three hours each way to this cafe in Malibu that she was working in, right? And she had found a way inside. They got a bare room and a house in Watts, 
and they said the strange landlady was using cameras to keep tabs on the tenants, and they got kicked out eventually over a bowl of spaghetti that was left in the property. Seriously? You're going to tell me that that's the only reason why you got kicked out? The idea that they there's so much that's left out of this story that they try to paint this couple as like this, oh, my gosh, it's only it's only a matter of time before all of this happens to us. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that way. It's not that case. So I thought you were joking when you made the joke, which I thought was a joke, about Lori Loughlin trying to get tips from Felicity Huffman about jail. Oh, no. No, that's a real thing. Oh, absolutely. I thought that was a, fun, a funny you made. We'll uh, update this fire in uh, Palisades and come back and talk about Felicity and Lori and how it is that they're the best pen pals ever now. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Blake, can you kill the music for a second so you can all hear what I have to hear? That's Gary playing his water bottle. And he did it during That's my fire alarm. all the commercials. He just does not stop. That's our fire alarm. Is that what that is? Yes. I feel like one we fire that that alarm is sufficient. I just didn't want you to lose sight of the fact that we're... Dealing with a fire. We are dealing with a fire. It's uh, burned about 30 acres or more, probably more, in Pacific Palisades. There are some hot spots that remain, but it looks like LA uh, LA City Fire just did, and probably County too, just did an incredible job of stopping the flanks of this fire that were getting right up to the backyards of some homes on the ridge there. Right above the canyon that was on fire. Yeah, Vista Grande Drive and Charmel Lane are the right that at that intersection of those two is where most of the activity was in terms of the flames that were right in the backyards of some of these homes. These are, like you mentioned this earlier, it doesn't matter how much they're expensive homes. I mean, somewhere between three and ten million dollar homes uh, that are being defended by the uh, LA City, LA County firefighters and. By dudes with garden hoses. I mean, the people who were uh, in that neighborhood at the time when they started smelling the smoke and seeing some of the flames licking up over the top of the ridge just took to the garden hoses, whatever they could, to uh, to pour water on it. You can see in some of these shots that there are some of these properties with trees right up to the back of the home. And then there are others that have big, huge areas of uh, open space, you know, the defensible space that they talk about. That's sort of built into the landscaping. And I got to imagine that it, since not all of the homes have them, they are all at risk because those trees are so close to some of these other homes. People magazine has a report about Lori Lachlan and Felicity Huffman. Of course, Felicity Huffman's already checked in with her uh, 14 day sentence there up in Dublin at the woman's facility. But it looks like Lori Lachlan attempted to reach out before Felicity went inside People magazine reports that Lori Lockley wanted to encourage Felicity. See how she was doing. She feels that their fates are tied together now, even oh, no. though they weren't really friends before. No, 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 no. If I'm Felicity Huffman, I do not return that phone call. Aunt Becky is hoping for the best for Felicity, according to the source. That's nice. Noting that it would be a positive sign in terms of her own impending fate. <laughs> she feels like Felicity's time in jail will be an indicator of her own time, and she's extremely curious to know how it goes. She's going to do a lot more time. Oh, she's going to. 
I was trying to figure this out. Now, the people who have thrown themselves at the mercy of the court, some of them are still getting a couple of months, a few months in yeah. jail. If if Lori Loughlin goes this takes this thing to trial and continues to fight this and then is found guilty, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility for her to get a year yeah, or two. Like a year. Yeah. 18 months or something like that. And that would terrify her. It oh, should absolutely. terrify her. You see the pictures, by the way, of Felicity Huffman? Wearing the yeah. green jumpsuit. She looked like she was working at a gardening crew or something like look. that. It's a look. It's a look. And William H. Macy went to visit her wearing a Cubs hat. And their daughter went, too. Yeah. So is that good? That means the relationship has been mended? Or if is I'm that a different dad, daughter? Uh, no, no. I think it's the, the I think that is the daughter. Yeah. I, if I'm the dad, I would say, listen, your mom really needs this. And you may not like it, but she really needs to see you. I think your wife would do great in prison. <laughs> She'd be like the most popular person within Wait, 20 minutes. Why did she go to prison? What happened to me? Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying. Was it a crime against me? All she has to do is bring in some of those cookies. She made some more of those yesterday. Stop it. And you didn't bring me any because of my weight problem? No, I didn't bring you any because I ate them all. Come on. It was going to be so good. Highly offensive is what I was going to do. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Never have any fun anymore. I know. Be offensive with me. Mm. Jump into the pool. Yes. We've been following this uh, fire burning in Palisades. About 30 plus acres is the latest number uh, right between Palisades Drive, which is at the bottom of a canyon. And Charnel Place, I believe it's called, up at the top of that ridge, uh, Charnel Lane. Charmel. They've got the hand crews out there in this crazy terrain, really thick, dense fuels that this fire is burning uphill through. But the good news is that fire structure protection teams were able to do just that. Uh, It was not looking good with Mm -hmm. just trees on the properties going up. And uh, those guys held that line, and it looks like there might be some damage to maybe one or two homes. But I, I'm still in awe of how they were able to to stop that, in particular, Channel yeah. Five showing a, a shot right now, where this tree is the the uh, the tree is touching the house, yeah. and it's fully engulfed. But they yet were... they were able to, with that with that precise airdrop. Attack that's that that spot right there at the right time. And this is proof uh, to me. This is proof that everybody needs an infinity pool uh, because that way you can use all of the water in your infinity pool and put out the fire before it destroys the rest of the structure. So I don't see anything wrong with that. I love an infinity pool. Um, I do, too, except the pictures after this are going to look really bad. I mean, if you're taking your Instagram pics through the uh, of your bikini shot in the infinity pool, it's just going to be a moonscape behind you afterwards. But again, at this point, it does not look like they've lost any structures. Uh, about 30 acres is what they're saying. The smoke plume is visible for miles and miles around because this is technically a positive because there's not a lot of wind. So this thing has not been blowing. Uh, it's just terrain driven in that it went up this hill very, very quickly. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. What's 
Have you seen the pictures out of the Dallas area? A tornado touched down. Stormy weather last night. This thing tore through structures, overturned cars, and has knocked out electricity for thousands. It hit about 9 p.m. local time near the airport, actually, northwest of downtown. And the footage is just uh, terrible. You know, several damaged homes, businesses, roofs ripped off, trees down, power lines down. 10 o'clock news last night had some shots of it, but it was all nighttime stuff. So you couldn't really see the extent of the damage. And then this morning, some of these shots of school buildings that have been damaged. I mean, just brick walls that have been just obliterated by uh, by this tornado. Uh, 160 some odd thousand customers without power as of this morning. About 65,000 within the city of Dallas itself and all kinds of emergency services that have been activated to try to help out. Opioids are in the news because hours before a big opioid trial was set to start in Ohio, it looks like the nation's three biggest drug distributors and a major drug maker have reached a $260 million settlement with two counties there in Ohio over just the deadly havoc wreaked by these drugs. So today was supposed to be the beginning of this trial? Right, and it was a jury trial, which means the jury would have probably come up with that figure. So what they do is they bring in people to figure out what that number will be and then kind of make it a little smaller in the same ballpark so that they'll swallow that over rolling the dice with a jury. The Dominican Republic is trending today. The State Department says the FBI has reported on those deaths. Remember American tourists that were dying in the Dominican The State Department says the FBI report shows no evidence inconsistent with the DR's findings of natural causes. They're saying that this was not wrongdoing. Um, The first deaths to make headlines were back in May when there was a couple that died at the same time in the hotel room. And there was a concern that there may have been, you know, tainted alcohol or bad Sprite that people were mixing with their alcohol. Something was going on. And they're saying that that's not the case, that it appears that all of these people died of natural causes. Strange. Shall we check in with our friends to the north? Okay. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau faces the threat of being knocked out of power as that country holds preliminary elections today. One of the pollsters up there said that this is a coin toss. Remember, of course, that Trudeau, Pierre, uh, sorry, uh, Justin Trudeau, Pierre's father, that Justin Trudeau is uh, dealing with the aftermath of what I thought was going to turn into a huge deal. But after a quick flash in the pan of outrage that people saw him wearing blackface, it kind of fell by the wayside, at least down here it did. I don't I don't recall seeing a whole lot of Canadian media losing their minds over that guy. And I don't know if that's because they love him so much that they're willing to overlook that or if it just wasn't as big a deal there as it would have been here. Tupac Shakur has been busted. He was I in Tennessee. It. I knew it. Busted on Friday. I thought he was in Fiji, but I guess he's been in Tennessee. Oh, wait, no. Is Wrong. this Tupac? Not, not that Tupac. I'm sorry. This is Tupac A. Shakur, is, and he's white. And is that a pentagram tattooed on his no, neck? No, that's a, that's a, well, it's a six-sided star. I can't tell what's inside the tattoo no, on his neck. That's neither here nor there. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tupac Shakur making the news. How old is he? 40. All right. 40. All right. So this wasn't a guy whose parents were big Tupac fans. This is a guy who changed his name in adulthood to Tupac Shakur. Well, when was 
When was the actual Tupac born? Um, let's see. He was he was killed in ninety six at twenty five. Right. He was born in seventy one. So the real Tupac would have been eight years old by the time this guy was born. Yeah, maybe. Maybe his parents knew a kid down the street named Tupac who maybe they sh- maybe they saw early promise in young Tupac. Although he was in New York at the time. Oh, not the Bay Area. No, not the not Bay Marin Area. City. Not Marin City. I miss Tupac. Uh, it was 16 years ago. I know. Oh. His music spoke to me. Was that your stomach this time? I didn't hear anything. Oh, I heard something. Did you hear the fire alarm? Again, one fire alarm is sufficient. We don't need to be blowing the fire alarm all day. 30-plus acre fire that's burning in Pacific Palisades. For the most part, it looks like the, the active flames are gone. There are still a couple of hot spots that they're working on, and there are ground crews that have made their way from the top of that hill. It started along Palisades Drive and went up the hill towards Charmel Lane. There are crews that have started at Charmel Lane making their way down and cutting fire lines, and crews that have started at Palisades and making their way up that canyon wall to try to cut fire lines as well. It doesn't look like it's going to expand a whole lot, but there's still a handful of places that have some active fire. Week seven in the NFL and teams. Some teams are finding new ways to step on their own genitals. We'll talk about football when we come back. And a thousand bucks you can win. We'll tell you how you can do that, which is much more pleasurable than stepping. Yeah, your you're damn genitals. right it is. We could be legends after all. And if you win $1,000, you're going to get a phone call. you got to make sure you answer the call to pick up 1000 bucks. Quick tip, by the way, probably be from an area code 513 number. So you got another chance to win an hour from now and a chance to win 1000 bucks an hour Monday through Friday from 5 in the morning all the way through 6.20 at night. Once an hour, 1000 bucks right here on KFI. Keeping an eye on this fire burning in the Pacific Palisades, it looks like it's being, uh, it's, it's gobbled about 30-plus acres at this point. And as we have talked about, they have been able to fend off the flames from Charmel Lane there and Palisades Drive as well. As they attack this thing from the air, they've now put out enough flames to where hand crews can come in and do some tough work digging that fire line there manually. Mesmerizing watching some of these water drops from these helicopters, too. Hitting some of these hot spots on that thing. And flying through the thickest smoke and yet being so precise. Yeah, the benefit right now is that the the winds have been very light in this area today. That's uh, that is good. But in some of the places where the fire has already gone through, the smoke has died down, and you can kind of peek through just that that gray and black moonscape that is going to exist in this area for the next several months until we see some some rains and hopefully the hillside stays. But before we see any green coming back next spring, hot takes, hot takes on some sports stuff. So, uh, okay, touchdown. Oh. Point shot, home run, hat trick, something from golf, uppercut, all gas, no brakes. Hey, the good news it's is time for Gary and Shannon's hot sports takes. I get so excited about my hot sports takes. I, I don't know, know what so to do. Hot. They're hotter than that fire in the Palisades. Tomorrow night, game one of your world. No, 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 nobody cares. Not one person in America, let alone Los Angeles, gives a crap about the World Series. The only thing I'm going to say about the World Series is you the greatest me meme. Voice. The greatest meme it's I week saw seven. was a gigantic. Jose Altuve 
like putting him. his hand on a tiny little Aaron Judge. That's the best. And it was something about it's not the size of the fight or the fighter. It's the size of the fight or something like that. I do like him. Fantastic. I'm, right. I'm rooting for the uh, Astros. But to the sport that matters, uh, we turn to the NFL. Yeah. Week seven. How did that go? Holy hell. Well, first of all, did you see that Niners-Redskins game? I Those guys loved were it. covered in mud. It was like old school football, like Packers, Bears type kind of thing. And, and then after it. the Niners won it, was, by the way, it was this quickest game in, in a, a decade. decade. Easily, yeah. yeah. Uh, but did you see the shot of the 49ers after they won, sliding onto the field, like yeah. slip and slide? Yes. Uh, must be good to be 6-0. and um, And they, this, I think the opponents have only scored 10 points against them in the last few that games. That defense is lights out. Uh, um, okay, right. so let's just get the Chargers out of the way. Yeah. All right? Go ahead. That was not a fun flight. I'll tell you that. Coming home. These guys care a lot about this season. And when you lose, I've seen the Chargers lose in heartbreaking fashion just these past three years where it seems like they've got the game locked up and then there are mistakes or it's down to the wire and they lose at the last second. I've also seen them pull it off at the last second. I'm looking at you, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. But holy hell. This was the worst possible way, in my opinion, to lose a football game. It's the final minute. They're in Tennessee taking on Ryan Tannehill and and and, uh, and the Titans. And they fumble inside the one-yard line. And they lose the game in the final moment. Not only that is they had already scored twice. And then it was brought back again. This happens again and again and again. I don't know. Like you said, it was a tough flight home. I can't imagine what goes through your head, especially when before the season started. There were plenty of people who chose the Chargers to go know, so then, deep into the playoffs and, that they and, make it to the Super Bowl. And that's Bowl. the problem. There were so many injuries that that team is not even close to the same of that team that finished the season on that hot streak right now. Guys are going to come back. Russell Okun's going to come back to guard Philip Rivers' blindside. Derwin James is going to come back. He impacted every single game last season there and the secondary has been really really hurting so as these guys come back you just wonder is it is it gonna be too late but you look around the rest of that division the afc west and hey guys are crapping themselves too right and that's the thing like there's all there's always room to get better, clearly, two and five is a horrible way to start, but it's not 0 and 7. Not the it's end. not even 1 and 6, and right. it's not the end because they have the ability for these people to come right. back. You can reel off four or five in a row yep. and get yourself right back into the middle of, of the race for and the division. And they're going on the road to Chicago this week, and that's a Bears team that is stumbling at three and three. Yeah. They're doing a good job of screwing themselves. So I saw somebody say uh, Mitch Trubisky was, you know, back in the game. He's got this giant apparatus on yeah. his left arm. And they're like, uh, that's not supposed to be there. Yeah, because he separated his shoulder right. or whatever it was that he did. Yeah, that's not a um, that's not a good thing. I was amazed that you had such incredible weather yesterday in Nashville. Oh, it was beautiful. you're not all, I mean, I don't know my geography very well, but you're not that far away from someplace like Washington, D.C., which looked like an absolute mud bath. Right. Even New York, it was raining in New York. It was, I mean, all of these places look so bad. Click onto the uh, TV shot of uh, uh, Nashville, and it's like 72 and sunny. Yeah, it was perfection. Where is that? Where, who? Although I got to say, I do prefer, even though I, I, maybe when I'm in the moment, I don't prefer, but I do prefer those cold weather games. Like when we're going to New England or or Denver or Kansas City in December, because that to me is true football. 
it does it does seem like it should be cold. It That's what was so layer, great about yeah. about the 49ers in Washington yesterday. Right, it's right. supposed to be messy. Totally. Like it's, and my my daughter was asking me, "Are they playing on real grass?" Well, yeah. Why? She said, "That's going to tear it up." Uh, yeah, it is. You're <laughs> damn right, it is. Did you see? By the way, speaking of of tearing it up, the wagon that fell over in the college game. I want to say it was Oklahoma State. No, there it was, was a Sooner Schooner. That is, so it was Oklahoma. Then it was the, uh, the like a fake little covered wagon, just smaller than normal, but yeah. still pulled by a couple of horses. There's a handful of people on it, sitting in it. This thing is supposed to come out. It's just during a quick timeout. It comes out of the tunnel, makes a loop around the 20 yard line, and heads back into the tunnel. Right, the loop was too tight. Oh, that thing no. goes ass over tea kettle. Boom! Things fall sideways. It breaks the whatever the connection between the horses and the wagon yeah. breaks as the wagon falls over and the horses keep going. You're dragging a couple hundred pounds of wood and metal and it just leaves a giant gouge from the 20 yard line to the corner of the end zone. Oh, man. And there's guys out there like coming out and trying to stamp it down like they're replacing the divot that right. the worst divot in the world. It was pretty funny. Only because nobody got hurt. Right. But then they started doing replays of it. And watch this. When she hits the ground, she really turns like a professional. Uh, uh, anyway, tonight, it's Patriots-Jets. Oh, my God. People are actually talking about, do the Jets have a chance to hand the Patriots their first loss? With Sam Darnold looking pretty damn good. I've seen stranger things, I suppose. So. I doubt it. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Tom Brady, the sixth iteration of Tom Brady, right? That's an inside Netflix joke. Yes, we'll tell you about that on Wednesday. Swamp Watch, when we come back, we got a lot to get to when it comes to uh, what's going on in the D.C. area. We'll talk about it when we come back. I don't think Nick likes it when we do jokes that nobody gets. He looks over here and he shakes his head like this. Yeah, but then he says something like Hufflepuff on you or something. You just can't hear him in here. He's going, I don't get it. I never said that. <laughs> okay, so I read that right. <laughs> All right, Gary and Shannon. We keep on running, running through a red light Like we shine up in the night away, 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 oh, away, away oh, I mean, I do think it would be fun to do like a dating game on this show Where we have a single, like Victor And then we have girls apply to, to date Victor and we go through those, and then we bring three of them in, and we do, like, a dating game. I think this is a good idea. You're shaking your head. As much as we love Victor, I do believe there would be some sort of a liability potential there. Why? You think he's going to do something? Isn't that how Hartman found, like, his we don't girlfriend know. or wife or That's something? That's how Sharon met her right. husband. Yeah. So See? Proven success. Awesome yeah. idea. Okay. Thank you. Nick, figure out the details. Next hour, the latest on the uh, the four drug companies that reached a legal settlement in this uh, opioid addiction epidemic. They've uh, paid or will pay out hundreds of millions, and they came up with this settlement on the day that trial was supposed to have started. So we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, also, more in Swamp Watch in just a few minutes about Pete Buttigieg making a surge in a couple of these polls, specifically in Iowa. And that's going to be a huge deal going forward for the next couple of months. What to do about Syria remains on the table in Washington. And that is where we begin Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together.
Well, as we have seen American forces leaving the area in northeastern Syria, we're talking about leaving some troops behind to try to secure oil fields in the region and to uh, make sure that they don't fall into the hands of ISIS, according to Defense Secretary Mark Esper or Mark Esperanto, depending on how you want to spell it. Inez de la Guterres joining us from Washington, D.C. with the latest on what's going on with our handling of this issue between Turkey and Syria and the Kurds and all of the other players. Inez, how are you? Hey, I'm good. So we're getting uh, more details from Mark Esper. For the first time, the administration kind of telling us what they um, are planning to do now with these troops that they say are going to be leaving Syria. So Mark Esper telling reporters this morning uh, that the troops leaving Syria will be going to western Iraq. And he floated the idea, this this notion that um, there would be some like a small residual force staying behind to guard oil fields in Syria. The concern being that if ISIS, if there is a resurgence of ISIS, that ISIS could take over those oil fields. Um, So Esper said that this was something that the Pentagon was discussing, that no proposals had been shown to the president yet, but they they were looking into it. And the president just now was asked about it. He was taking questions from reporters, and he was asked if he would maintain a limited number of troops in Syria. He said, I don't think it's necessary other than that we secure the oil. It is in a little different section, but we need to secure the oil. So he's getting a little bit of um, pushback there from, from critics who say, you know, it seems like you care more about protecting the oil fields than you do about the the Kurds, who have repeatedly said that they feel abandoned. Um, so Trump not, you know, and he, we should point out that he was very insistent in, in saying that he wants to bring the troops home, not leave them in Syria, but he's also not fully closing the door on keeping a small, uh, small number of them there to protect these oil fields. Did you think it was odd or did it strike you as odd that uh, Esper did say that, that the proposal to keep troops in Syria in some cities had not yet been presented to the to the president, but yet he was discussing it outside the Pentagon and with reporters before they even brought it up to the president. Did that seem odd? I don't think anything is odd anymore with this administration, but I do. It's certainly not how how a normal uh, how a normal administration would operate. You would think that you know, if, if and especially, you know, we should point out what what the president said in the Oval Office was just hours after um, Esper had given his press conference. So it was certainly unusual uh, that that Trump would just you know talk about his point of view and and the way he feels um, to reporters without consulting with the Pentagon and 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 with his generals before making those comments. We talked last week about some of the criticism the president had received from within Republican ranks. And one of the people who was quite critical was Lindsey Graham. And then I guess they had a magical conversation over the weekend. Lindsey Graham seems to be on board now with the president's policies with Syria. Another that's been another very unusual development. So Lindsey Graham had repeatedly said that we shouldn't abandon the Kurds, who had been a key ally in the fight against ISIS, that we should stay there, that we needed to honor our commitment to the Kurds because otherwise good luck in getting anybody else to trust uh, Americans again. Um, and he did, you know, seem to go through a bit of a reversal over the weekend. And now he's saying that he's the president um, is thinking outside the box and that this may end up working. Um, he said that he also really cares about the oil field. So is that what's Swayed him, maybe you know the fact that the president or that the Pentagon at least is discussing keeping a small force there to to protect the oil fields. Um, but it's 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 certainly surprising that Lindsey Graham would just you know change his mind like that and now be open to the president's um, idea because he was one of of the 
the president's harshest critics when it came to withdrawing troops from Syria. Yeah. All right. And as we appreciate it, thank you. Thank you. And as De La Cutera there from Capitol Hill with the latest on the the D.C. response to what's been going on in Syria. I mentioned uh, this conversation that uh, that Lindsey Graham supposedly had with the president. Uh, remember, Wednesday, Lindsey Graham said Trump was hell-bent on making the same mistakes in Syria that President Obama made in Iraq. On Thursday, he said the invasion of northeast Syria has created conditions for the reemergence of ISIS and the destruction of our allies. Yesterday, he tells Fox News, I'm going to withhold judgment until it's all in. So I don't know whatever magic the president spun on him over the course of uh, Saturday into Sunday, but uh, Lindsey Graham is now all in on this, uh, the plan for for whatever's happening in Syria. Pete Buttigieg having himself a week, and it looks like the Iowa caucuses are up for grabs. What that means for the Democrats when we come back. Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg! Buttigieg! Press conference now about that brusher in the uh, Pacific Palisades. Apparently mandatory evacuations have been issued. We will have an evacuation center set up at Palisades Recreation Center. And if you need information, we'll also have public information officers there. Uh, at this point, it's probably best if I take some initial questions because i got to get back onto the firefight. Question is, was this a homeless encampment? We do not have a cause. Uh, and while that subject comes up a lot, um, I don't have a cause for it right now. Uh, we have some investigators on scene looking to see what the cause and the point of origin is. The forecast, as you can tell, we're still in a really hot, dry pattern for the Southern California. October is generally the, the month that we really feel this. The forecast is going to be increased winds by Thursday. That's why we're going to put a lot of resources on it to make sure this fire is wind tested because the winds will come back on Thursday. Yes. So this is an extremely challenging fire for hand crews. If you look at the firefighters, they're essentially clawing their way up this hillside with rocks coming down on them, carrying hand crews, chainsaws. And uh, Chief Maroney, do you want to talk a little bit about how your hand crews operate? Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Tony Maroney, L.A. County Fire Deputy Chief, uh, Central Region Operations Bureau. L.A. County responded this afternoon to assist L.A. City along with our partners from MPS. Uh, what we brought to the table for LA City today was our Firehawk helicopters, our Bell 412 helicopters, and also our hand crews. So currently we have six hand crews assigned. They're cutting a line up each flank of the fire till they get to the, the ridge. Uh, we expect that we are gonna be here all night long. Uh, for LA County residents, currently no threat from this fire. Specifically, any residents in LA County that live in Topanga Canyon, they're safe. There's no reason for an evacuation. We're going to continue to remain on scene and assist LA City Fire. Yeah. Yes. So right now we're evacuating about uh, eight residential blocks up on Charmel. I don't have a, how, a number count, but I'll probably put it in the area of probably about 200 homes that are probably impacted in that grid. Uh, firefighter injuries, I don't have full reports on them, but I will tell you, this is a physically demanding job right now. The physical prowess that these firefighters show from all of these agencies uh, is tremendous, and uh, nothing is insurmountable for them. They will not sleep, they will not rest and put the, until they get this fire out. The w- 
The question is about the winds. Fortunately, we're coming off the Santa Ana wind event. Our only concern would be a shift in the wind, and then we begin to get the onshore breeze, and any wind would be a, a problem. But right now, winds are not a factor. Any other questions? I have no reports on anybody who was injured, but throughout the incident, the uh, incident public information officers will provide updates. Like you say, I broke away from the command post to give you a quick briefing. I'm actively engaged in firefighting with my crews, and uh, I could take a few more questions. Sir, for those individuals who are affected by the evacuation, they see this and they say, they got it under control. Why yeah. am I yeah. still being evacuated? Your message to those individuals, sir. So folks uh, can get a false sense of security. Uh, the weather can change here, and what we have is something called probability of ignition. The area around here is ripe for wildfires, so when we initiate an evacuation in an area, it's not so much also for what you see in front of you, but what they can anticipate. And it takes a while to get folks out of the way. And if you've seen in past fires, Oakland Fire and others, if we don't initiate it early enough, then it becomes a real problem for us. So we appreciate people heeding the warning. And uh, with that, I'm going to break away, and uh, our public information officers will be around to take uh, notes. So I'm not sure. You who that uh he's great he should do official, every one of oh these oh my news god he was perfect he got right to the point <laughs> he uh he handled that with gusto determination and it was just facts now just throw god, in there nice. a tiny just like a two teaspoonfuls of attitude and it would have been perfect like don't bother me with dumb questions because I got to get back to putting out fires, right. not dealing with you people. But he cut it off at the right time. Perfect. Um, again, there are evacuations now, he said, for about 200 homes. I've got the list here. Uh, it, it affects, again, a mandatory evacuation order affects all residents in the area between Charmel Lane and Bienvenida Avenue from Lockman Lane on the north to Maryville Lane on the south. They say that the order is due to both fire and smoke potential in the area and also anticipated fire retardant drops from those fixed wing aircraft. Yeah. Plus, I mean, there's really uh, I guess you could say there are two ways out of that area. I mean, you're just south of the summit or just below the summit area up there. And once you get that way, you kind of have to come back down Palisades Lane to get out of the area. If you go that direction, the other one is, of course, going straight out towards the coast. So you can get out that way. But but that's it's just it's limited. It's going to be a tight get out if, in fact, you have to leave with any sort of urgency. So no, that's part of the reason. No word on what started the fire. It began at the base of Palisades Drive and quickly, as we've been talking about, ran right uphill. So one of the questions, I guess, that he addressed was whether or not this was a homeless encampment that could potentially have been the source of the fire. You know, someone cooking or whatever. Uh, if you look at that area of Palisades Drive, just to me, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of space for any of that because the road itself, even on the widest parts of the road, you don't have more than 10 or, 10 or 20 feet before a very rocky, hilly cliff goes straight up off of the floor there. So it doesn't seem like it would be conducive to somebody living back in the trees or because there's not there's not trees there. I mean, it's just a cliff. 
with all of these short scrub brushes of, uh, that are on was it. That That's because, part of why he was saying this is such a difficult fight. I'm wondering if that question was because of uh, last year's fire in the Sepulveda Pass. Wasn't that started as a homeless encampment? Yes. Yeah. Right. But in that area, there's definitely a lot more right. places for someone to, to, to hole up. And I'm not saying it didn't happen this way, but just based on the picture that I've seen of where it appears the fire may have started, it just doesn't look like there's a lot of places for somebody to camp out there. Um, and as he said, the hand crews are actively battling this thing in the trenches, clawing their way uphill with chainsaws, trying to cut a fire line. Uh, it looks like they have got more than the upper hand on this. And that, like you said, they just want people out because in case something goes sideways, in case the, the winds sweep up or something like that. Uh, that it's just too hard to get out. A couple of persistent questions there about potential injuries. We did see somebody loaded onto a stretcher and taken away in an ambulance, somebody wearing one of the orange work crew uh, jumpsuits that was there, Um, one of the hand crews that had been working. We don't know. Uh, they were carried to the stretcher. It didn't look like it was urgent, like it was a potentially life-threatening or anything like that, but it could have been anything from... You know, getting hit by a rock that fell from above or a twisted ankle or a bee sting. And we've seen all of those things in these hand crews that have to go up that mountain. So, um, again, this fire in Pacific Palisades at about uh, the latest update was 30 plus acres. They haven't given us a they haven't really nailed that down. But the smoke from this fire is visible all over the place because it's gone basically straight up in the air. There has been very little wind, they said, that they've been dealing with, which is great news. He did refer to a a potential change in the wind as one of the more dangerous things that they were looking out for. All right. Coming up next, it looks like there is a big settlement so that four drug companies avoid trial in Ohio over opioids and the hellish toll they have taken on those communities. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Because when you do that thing right there, flipping your ear, baby, I swear, I don't think you know what you're doing to me, you got Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we've been keeping our eyes on this fire that is burning out in the Pacific Palisade. Started along Palisade Drive down in that canyon and then went right up that hill up towards Charmel Lane. We talked earlier right at that intersection of Charmel Lane and uh, Vista Grande Drive, a handful of homes there that were threatened. And then this thing, it looks like, moved to the east a couple hundred yards and was closer to Charmel Lane and Glen Drive. Again, these are multi, multi-million dollar homes that have been threatened by this. Uh, as we heard, though, from uh, L.A. City Fire, they have they are throwing everything they can at this right now to make sure that it stays in its place. That uh, right now we're lucky. We have very, uh, very light winds in that area. So this is just a terrain-driven fire. But there's uh, plenty of places for this thing to go and expand. Uh, and unfortunately, it could be in some of those neighborhoods. A massive settlement today in the country's opioid crisis. It looks like the country's three biggest distributors and a major drug maker did reach a settlement just hours before they were going to go to trial with two counties in Ohio. Aaron Katursky is joining us now to cover this story. He's been uh, watching this thing. And Aaron, we understand that this is kind of pocket change compared to the giant settlements that we've been talking about. Well, the the hope had been to reach a a global resolution to all of these cases worth perhaps $50 billion. This is $260 million split between two counties uh, who have sought redress for decades of opioid abuse 
and, and, and what it's meant for their communities. Uh, there may yet be a bigger settlement, but for now, it's these two counties that are going to be splitting that pot of money. So it's a lot of money for, for just two individual counties. Do you know how they come up with that number? I assume they have consultants come in and have some sort of opinion as to what a jury would uh, what, uh, would award in a case like this. Yeah, I think, uh, but the, I, you know, I'm no. The, the negotiations were were conducted behind the scenes, so I'm not sure how they arrived at that specific number. But it it's meant to fund treatment programs and to replenish the um, the, the 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 coffers of these programs that that have just been drained because of the severity of the crisis. The the county said that they just don't have the money to help these families anymore, and and that's part of the reason why they turned to the courts to try to get some relief. You mentioned the uh, the overarching $48 billion settlement that's been talked about, hasn't been agreed to yet. Are there some uh, are there specific issues that they're still trying to hammer out? Are there sticking points? Yeah, I mean, th- there are, but they're, they're not huge. Uh, the, the, the disagreements involve just a couple of things. One is the, the cities and towns um, versus the states, because a number of states have sued uh, over over opioids. And, and going back to big tobacco, the, the communities are really wary of having states control how the money is dispersed. Uh, because in big tobacco, it ended up filling legislative coffers, just sort of general, you know, general budgetary stuff. And, and it didn't go to specifically address the crisis at hand. And, and the communities are concerned about that. They say, look, the, 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 this is happening in our individual towns and cities we know where the money needs to be spent better than the state. So they don't want the states to have control. That's one big sticking point. Uh, and then on the other side, there's a question about how much of of the evidence to sort of open up, because the the attorneys, as they've done their discovery, have found a lot of internal documents and a lot of you know correspondence. And, and, and really, they said, Part of the whole point here is to give the country an understanding as to how the the opioid epidemic came to be. Um, but of course, the companies aren't too keen to have their their books opened absent a trial. I'm assuming there are other court cases pending. Uh, in- Twenty three hundred of them. Wow. Um, wow. It's a it's a staggering number. I mean, look, multiply. I went into journalism, so I didn't have to do math. But if you multiply 260 million times 2,300 cases, I believe you come up with like a wicked lot of money. <laughs> and uh, and and so the the hope had been to come up with a global settlement. That's what the judge who had overseen this particular case said he was hoping for, because he has all these other cases before him. Uh, these two counties were selected to go first, but uh, you know, as we say, there's not. There's just so many. $598 billion. Right. So (laughs) that's going to be untenable for the companies to deal with. And, and, you know, different communities would have different needs. So if you came up with this global settlement, the judge said that really would have been his preference. Um, That didn't happen. They opted to just settle with these two counties first. But it's believed now that authorities can use this as a framework to perhaps settle the cases going forward. And I wonder, I mean, to that point, if you if they're not willing to pay $600 billion, uh, some of these communities, these counties and towns and cities that would be in line for smaller amounts might, signing up, might sign up and start getting those now while they can. Well, they, 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 um, 
you know, they're, they're trying, but they have to kind of work within, you know, I, it's not like Teva Pharmaceutical is going to go to every county in the country that sued them and try to work it out. I mean, they will if they have to, but I think the hope is to do it under the auspices of this one federal court in Ohio and try to work it out um, as best they can. And, and you know, the, the judge said, you know, keep at it. Aaron, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Aaron Katursky there, the latest out of New York. Again, the uh, the drug companies that reached a legal settlement. This was just two counties, two counties in Ohio, in Summit and Cuyahoga County, when there are still 2,300 opioid lawsuits brought in federal court by municipalities and hospitals and tribes and others that have been consolidated in uh, in one case in front of that judge in Cleveland. All right, we come back. Let's get to that Pete Buttigieg story because uh, we haven't gotten to it. The comments that he made yesterday on Fox News Channel have painted this guy as, hey, wait a minute. He's not a crazy person. Well, and he's surging in the polls yeah, like crazy, especially in Iowa. All right, we'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Set me free. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. That $1,000 will be awarded to somebody who answers the phone. you got to pick up that phone to pick up 1000 bucks. If you, uh, Even if it is, you don't recognize the number. You're going to have another chance an hour from now during the John and Ken show. And then every hour all the way through the first hour of the Conway show, you'll pick up 1000 bucks right here on KFI. We've been keeping an eye on this fire burning in the Pacific Palisades. We do have mandatory evacuation orders that have been issued. It affects all of the residents in the area between Charmel Lane and Bienvenetta Avenue from Lockman Lane to the north to Maryville Lane on the south. They say it's due to both fire and smoke potential in the area, and they are doing a lot of fire retardant drops. One of the uh, TV crews, I think it's Channel 5, is in the neighborhood looking back towards the ocean over uh, off of this cliff, basically. And you get, number one, an idea of why these are four, five, six million dollar homes in this area, because the views are just incredible. But the ridge in the backyard of these homes drops off very steeply and down towards Palisades Drive, which is where this thing started, came up that ridge. They've been showing a couple of places where... The helicopters will fly down over the neighborhood, and then as they dip into that canyon to drop water or retardant or whatever it is they happen to be dropping, they disappear. That's the weirdest thing to see. It, it disappears behind those it's homes as it's going down below. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, there, like you said, there's an evacuation center open at the Recreation Center, the Palisades Recreation Center on Alma Real Drive. Um, and we'll keep an eye on it. They said the best thing is the wind is relatively calm right now, and they're hoping that they can get a, a, a handle on this thing before the next couple of hours when we see some potential uh, wind strength growing with the afternoon. Do we have a he's in love with that pole song? I doubt it. I'm sure that somebody could probably make one, but you want me to just... You could just play it, Kurt, I guess. This is, by the way... By the well-known Kirko Bangs. She's in love with that pole. She's in love with that pole. Pete Buttigieg. In love with that pole, that's for sure. Is surging, according to a Suffolk University USA Today poll. 
Once seen as a long shot as a presidential contender, he has surged within striking distance of Biden and Warren. Now, this is a key specifically because the Iowa caucuses we've seen for the last couple of years don't necessarily uh, pick who will be the nominee. But the nominee has to finish within the top three. The poll taken Wednesday through Friday put Biden in at 18 percent, Warren at 17 percent and boot edge edge at 13 percent. This was among 500 likely Democratic caucus goers. That's a good That's word. That's a long word. That's like Angelinos, though. Caucus I don't, goers. Caucus goers uh, are up for grabs, according to the Suffolk Political Research Center director, David Paleologos. Uh, that Buttigieg has found a lane. He's accelerating toward the front of the pack, surpassing Bernie. All of this happening happening while the number of undecided voters continues to grow as the caucus goers uh, pause to reevaluate the changing field. I um, Among the debate watchers, in terms of those who, I guess, sat and watched this whole thing, Buttigieg actually has a narrow lead in the poll. At 19% compared to Warren and Biden at 17%. So you could make the argument that that debate was the key for whatever happens in these next several weeks with Pete Buttigieg. Uh, He was on the Sunday talk shows as well and spent some time with, I know he did the NBC show, uh, Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. He also sat down with Chris Wallace from Fox News. And was answering questions about what's going on in the world of the Buttigieg. Take the example of, of this Medicare question. I'm proposing Medicare. By the way, the question leading up to this is something along the lines of how it is that how is it that you are separating yourself from the leaders like Biden, Warren, Sanders in terms of your policies? And he's saying, I'm not a crazy person. Take the example of, of this Medicare question. I'm proposing Medicare for all who want it. It means we create a version of Medicare. Everybody can get access to it. And you get if you want to keep your private plan, we're okay with that. Uh, and then was asked about fundraising. If you saw over the weekend, Bernie Sanders was endorsed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Right. She went after people like Pete Buttigieg, who have been taking money from big donors, not just the smaller donors. And she criticized him for that, saying that a grassroots campaign is the way to win in 2019-2020. Well, first of all, you don't go from mayor of South Bend to a competitive presidential candidate without knowing a thing or two about grassroots campaigning. My campaign is fueled by the contributions of almost 600,000 individual donors, and most of those are small contributions. What I'm saying is that we can't go into this fight against Donald Trump with one hand tied behind our back. Look, the president of the United States and his allies just raised $125 million. They will pull out all of the stops to stay in power. Listen, he's explaining to you, I don't have to follow what these people are telling me to do. I do not have to follow lockstep in lockstep with the Democratic National Committee and how it is they want to run things. They have completely lost all power. They lost all power with Donna Brazil, who's still in like a closet with uh, what's. No, what? no, no. You're thinking uh, Debbie Wasserman. Debbie Schultz. Wasserman. Schultz. But then yeah. it was the Debra Brazil uh, uh, tarmac meeting with Bill Clinton. All of that. The DNC lost all power when it screwed over Bernie Sanders. And, and the fact that it wasn't able to whittle this field down to fewer 
just shows they don't even care about the DNC anymore. Yeah, remember the last thing that happened, or the, the one memorable line from the post-debate that I saw last week was somebody telling Alex Michelson, of all people, I just want fewer people. Stop running. Right. you got to narrow this field down to give me an actual choice here. Hey, join Neil Saavedra for a live broadcast of the Fork Report at the fourth annual Thanks Grilling. Get tips on grilling your holiday feast, food samples, prizes, and more. Saturday, November 2nd from 1 p.m. to 5 at Outdoor Elegance in Laverne. Chefs from all over Southern California teach you everything you need to know about having the best Thanks Grilling holiday ever. Free entry, no ticket needed. For more information, log on to KFIAM640.com. Keyword, Thanks Grilling, brought to you by Fire Magic. All right, we come back. An update from the Palisades fire. Chris Ancarlo is out there. We'll talk about that with him right after this on The Gary and Shannon Show. Shannon, KFI AM 640. We are live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. John and Ked Show coming up at 2. We have kept our eye on this fire that began, I feel like, uh, kind of right when the show began. At least in the 10 o'clock hour. It was about 10.30 when they first got their call, yeah. yeah. That this uh, fire was starting uh, or had started along Palisades Drive. And moved up the uh, the hills of the canyon there towards uh, Charmel and other streets in that area. And there's a bunch of homes up there at the top of that ridge that were immediately threatened by this. And they had uh, structure protection in place right away. First of all, there were people who were just there, whether they're working. There's a couple of construction sites there. They were uh, immediately taken to all the garden hoses and everything they could get, basically, to try to find a way to keep the flames from getting into the homes. And then at one point, we saw the flames take hold of a couple of trees that were on the property of these homes. And it looked like the the, the homes were going to catch fire from that. And the, the, you saw the people, the construction guys and people just getting the hell out of there. I mean, running to their cars with bags of stuff. Uh, they held a news conference not too long ago uh, to give it sort of an update. And the way that the uh, fire official for L.A. City Fire was talking about it. It was basically, this is, uh, we're lucky that we don't have a lot of wind, but we need to make sure that we get all of this out and done before the winds come back. Whether it's in a couple of hours, the winds could potentially change in the afternoon. But most importantly, later in this week is when he expected, uh, he said they expect to see some more Santa Ana winds come through. Here is the evacuation order box. Mandatory evacuations. You've got Charmel Lane to the west. Bienvenida Avenue to the east, to the south, Maryvale Lane, and then to the north, the end of Lockman Lane. So that is the area, the box that has been evacuated. They said about 200 homes. And again, the firefighters said it may look like we've knocked this thing down because it does look like that. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get out of there because the winds could pick up. They could change direction in the afternoon. All you need is one hot spot to get this thing back going up again because there still remains to be a lot of fuel that it could burn through. Yeah. The, one of the reasons there is a fire road that kind of is an outlet sort of on the eastern side of this neighborhood. 
that I believe it's got a gate on it. Uh, it would be open now as people try to get through there and make their way towards the uh, Palisades Rec Center, Palisades Hills Rec Center, and up towards the summit area of the Palisades, because that's one of the exit routes. That's one way to get out. But if they had to all get out at the same time, you're running into a couple of problems. You're going to run into some very congested streets. We saw that in just the first few minutes of watching this, where people realized the smoke coming up over the hill means that there's fire coming up over the hill, and they decided to get out. And you could see even small traffic jams on these very small residential streets as the fire trucks uh, and other response vehicles were coming in, and these people were trying to get out. One of the things that we noticed, though, is it looks like a couple of these houses that hang out over this ridge had foam that was sprayed onto the hillside, the back porch and the hillside there just below the house. So it got us thinking if those are those private firefighting companies that insurance companies have on hand for things like this. And when you're looking at homes that are between the prices of four and eight million dollars in this area, you better believe those insurers have these firefighting companies ready to roll out. Yeah, and plus I don't know if any if LA city or county whoever would be in that doing structure protection if they would use foam in a in an instance like that. Yeah. So that's kind of what it made me think and then you can see in some of the helicopter shots different pickup trucks and other things of fire agencies. They do look like fire response vehicles but they're painted white, they've got a private logo on the side and that sort of thing. So it looks like we we've got a bunch of those crews up there as well. LA Fire Captain uh Department Captain Brandon Silverman said that the evacuations are just out of an abundance of caution, that there are no structures threatened in the area at this time, but that they are going to have a significant amount of air resources coming into the area, so they would rather not, you know, it, dump a bunch of FOS check on you if you're standing outside looking uh, around about what's going on. Yeah, don't don't just stand there. Uh, the original place where this thing came up the ridge or came up the hill towards the ridge was at Charmel Lane and Vista Grande Drive, and that's where a couple of homes are under construction right now. And you could see how the trees that were hanging over the edge there were catching fire, and like you said, they were able to stop that tree from then catching the main house on fire but the flames then appeared a couple of hundred yards to the east in a couple of different areas and what they've done since then is right along the back property lines basically right along the fences of some of these homes is dropped a big line of Fozcheck there and then perpendicular to that sort of down the ridge they did another big long Fozcheck drop to try to box this thing in and prevent it from going any further yeah, hey, I found out who that uh, assistant chief is that we loved. Patrick Butler is his name. And what a badass. Assistant chief of the L.A. Fire Department. He's the regional platoon commander for the operations Valley and Bureau. So he basically oversees all of the Valley operations, including like nor- Northeast L.A. and Hollywood. Um, he is also a deputy sheriff with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. That seems like retired nice. as a detective. Wow. Yeah, his resume is pretty impressive. He, he has a doctorate from USC's public policy school, a master's in security studies and homeland defense from the United States Naval Postgraduate School, a bachelor's degree in management, and a graduate of West Point Leadership Program. He's a Harvard fellow. <laughs> we got to get this guy on the show. I yeah. mean, holy hell. Well, we knew we liked him immediately, and our picker was not off. I like the cut of that guy's jib. Oh, and his diplomas. You couldn't hold his jock strap. Sorry, oh. I just, I thought we were doing those. 
Um, just thought that was a little far. It was. Just appreciating the fact that he's such a smart person. I apologize. A hard worker. Why was he wearing a jockstrap? Um, because he he's an athlete as well. So does Chris Ancarlo hate us? I guess. What's the deal with Ancarlo? Is he like... I think cell service hates him. Ah, I see. Yeah, it's tough. It's spotty up there. Mm. It really is. All right. Well, um, we if we get in touch with them, we'll throw him on. If yes. not, he if not, we'll, uh, will be on with John and We'll Kat. talk about the Eagles. The Eagles? Yes. Oh. Yeah, the Eagles. What's going on there? <laughs> A mess. <laughs> Gary, Gary and Shannon. Shannon. That's us. We'll continue in just a moment. <laughs> Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. Big story that's kind of permeated the show today is this uh, fire in the Pacific Palisades area started along Palisades Drive. Not quite sure how it started yet, but it's been an interesting fire fight over the last three hours or so. Crews from LA City, LA County, and other agencies come together to, to uh, make sure that this thing does not press that ridge along Charmel Drive up at the top there and burn through some of these three, four, five, eight, ten million dollar homes. Chris Ancarlo is there and has been uh, helping us cover this story. We just heard Chris from that news conference not too long ago that they're expecting the weather to be uh, helpful today, but not necessarily not necessarily the greatest conditions. Yeah, right. Uh, right now, actually, I just had Quebec one and two fly over my head. Those are the super scoopers. And you know, to mention the weather, their wings just not tilting at all. They're you know, got a nice steady flight in and out of here, which uh, is indicative of the fact that we don't really have a lot of wind at all in either direction, onshore or offshore. This is uh, primarily a terrain-driven effect. And as I look back down, I'm at the intersection right now of Sunset and Palisades Drive. As I'm looking down Palisades Drive, if you're familiar, there's a little shopping center with a Starbucks here. Looking off in that direction, there's a, a little bit of a vineyard at the top of the hill, and uh, the, the fire is working its way up. I can see just a little bit of active flame. So this is kind of a almost chimney effect that we're seeing here as it burns through this gulch. It's heating the vegetation up as it moves its way up, and then uh, it, that gives it a chance to kind of roll back up the hill. Um, now, firefighters have been working to get up to the top of that hill and lay down as much hose as they can. i got another engine going by me right now. I uh, lay down as much uh, hose and build as much line as they can right now. So we've got a lot of crews from both uh, L.A. City and L.A. County working this thing, and a lot of firefighters also in orbit here on uh, Firehawks and other helicopters dousing the flames wherever they can. Rough day for hand crews. The way the deputy chief spoke about it, and you heard you're at the news conference, we heard your questions, um, but that, that they're just clawing uphill and they've got chainsaws and all of, all of the rest trying to carve out that line. Yeah, he, he was colorful, wasn't he? Um, they were uh, described as having to deal with you know, inclines that are in excess of uh, 45, 50 degrees. So these guys are basically climbing mountains here in order to get on up to the uh, to the top of things. And it's in these sort of situations, obviously, they have to be careful because the fire wants to burn uphill. But that's when you realize that the, the air attack is nice and neat. By the way, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching an air tanker right now. Uh, 
following a, uh, a lead plane laying down a line of smoke, basically just gaining or figuring out exactly where it's going to dump its uh, retardant Fosjack, and then got a uh, sky crane now. Looks like it's about to drop some water on one of these flames. But as I go on and on about the air show, the thing is these guys on the ground, man, they do a lot of really hard, difficult work. And if you're going to win a firefight like this, it's going to be one on the ground. So these guys doing what they can in order to just hack away at all the vegetation and go into structure protection, basically wrapping around uh, homes up there in the uh, in the hills to make sure that they don't burn down. I was up in those hills earlier, which is why I couldn't get in touch with you guys. That and everybody's on Instagram right now, live broadcasting. And as I was up there, it was just, you know, person after person loading up their vehicles, getting ready to evacuate if the uh, call comes down. What we know right now is we've got limited evacuations, uh, just about uh, eight blocks of, uh, of people that have been evacuated. And all of those areas we saw early on, some of those people were getting out, were not waiting for the evacuation orders, of course. Uh, where are they going? I mean, they're just hanging out in that shopping center that you're at, or are they going somewhere else? Well, the the shopping center is actually on the other side of the tape. So that is uh, off limits right now for people. And, it's, you know, it's just like a constant parade of folks coming up here and trying to get in and trying to say, hey, like, I live up here. I got to see stuff. So, you know, first responders dealing with that as well. There's a lot of cars also up along Sunset here from uh, from Pacific Palisades or from Palisades Drive, rather. And it probably goes up about a half mile up the hill here. Uh, at the end of it, it's, you know, two cars on both sides of the road. And you can imagine just the sort of chaos that uh, responders are trying to deal with as they also are trying to deal with an active firefight. Yeah. Sergeant's requesting it to be empty. Yep, gotcha. Thank you. All right, gotcha. I got to go. You got kicked out. All right. Chris, thank you. Appreciate it. Chris and Carla there is uh, live in Pacific Palisades. I mean, you really have to go. As a no, reporter, it's... there's a law that says we can go wherever I think we please. Pete Demetrio it's... has it in his front pocket. More that we... Um... Oh, he just was done with us? Yeah. He didn't want to hear us ask about the Eagles? Probably. And that massacre in Dallas? He knew that was coming. I, I think, think it's just did. a little, he's got he it did. on tape somewhere. You're going to have to right. move that car. I mean, basically, he had to sit through that Chargers game and then sit through that Eagles game. So that's why he's in a mood. He was unhappy. In a mood. But I get it. Um, He was there again at the corner of uh, Sunset and Palisades Drive. Can I Drive. talk about what Nick and Blake have done today? Palisades <laughs> Drive is where that fire started. Wait one second. <laughs> Palisades Drive is where the fire started, went up the hill very quickly into that area of Charmel Drive, Vista Grande, places like that. Now they've got a couple of airplanes, uh, fixed wing. He mentioned, of course, the Super Scoopers are there. There's an even larger plane that's coming through and is about to drop a, a, a good swath of uh, fire retardant across that neighborhood and try to suppress this thing and make sure it doesn't expand any more than it already has. All right. Well, what one of Nick our and, uh, family members had a baby. Oh, congratulations, Mr. Mullenbeck. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret anymore. Mr. He's and posted Mrs. it. Andrew Mullenbeck has had his first child, a little boy. He's beautiful. Name's and, John uh, and Ken. So an email. I think his name is John. Isn't it is. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think he's named of after John Cobalt, though. I don't have confirmation of that, but it's just a hunch. Uh, now, there was an email that went out from the news director saying, oh, Andrew had his child. Congratulations. Right. And then came. And I'm so happy for Molly. I mean, I knew him when he was 25. But here's the thing. The reply alls yeah. got out of hand real quick. And don't get me wrong. And we people, love it. And it's congratulations. It's a huge deal. And it's Yeah, absolutely. But, but the reply alls went nuts. And people are just weighing in with all sorts of cute little jokes and humor and things. And it's like, oh, my God, for the love. So I said sarcastically 
to the boys in the other room, hey, will one of you please reply all because that's what we need. We need more of those. And to serve me right while I left the room. Someone did. They replied. They came in here and replied all from my email account. (laughs) Congratulations. Well played, boys. That was a winner. Thank you. I'm impressed. I'm not even mad. Careful what we you tried wish to break for. into your other computer. You were mad. We didn't know the password. <laughs> I was mad at first, but I've learned you to chased appreciate Nick down you. the hall. Yeah, she you said, run really fast. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> bad words too. She can run and swear like no other. Thank you. We didn't write anything bad. No, not this time. Yeah, and I liked that. It was perfect with the confetti. You picked yeah, congratulations so and the confetti pops. Uh-huh. Thank you for that. John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. That's it. That's it. That is it. Gary and Shannon.